This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. Hello. How has your week been going? I am still personally in the throes of book launch with my latest book, I'll See You Tomorrow, which came out last week. And It has opened the door for so many conversations on healing that I am excited to dig a bit deeper with today. But first, it's time for another hashtag blessed, where we look at a topic facing all of us and decide whether it is a hashtag blessed or a hashtag mess. Today, I wanted to talk about oversharing. Oversharing online, is that a hashtag blessed? or a hashtag mess. Joining me for hashtag blessed today is original sad king, my husband, Seth Day. Seth, I wanted to talk today about the concept of oversharing. Mm, Let's do it. Is oversharing a hashtag blessed or a mess? The reason I want to bring this up is because I know for me, It's like this weird thing happens when I'm online and I have thousands and thousands of people online and I'll tweet and I'll think that for some reason, nobody really sees it. Like it's fine, right? Like nobody from my work is going to see what I just tweeted. And the reality is, of course, anybody whose account isn't private, people see it. And so I always have this weird thing when my private life connects with my online life or or my real life connects with my online life. If somebody even Mm. says to me, Mm -hmm. oh, how did you and Seth like that dinner? Like somebody at my work, I'm like, how do you know that about me? Of course, I posted it, right? So what do you think this this process looks like of our online life connecting with our real life? Is this a bless? Well, I will tell you it changes things for anybody who's online and who is posting a lot and who has somewhat of a following, whatever you consider that to be. For example, we go out to eat quite a bit sometimes, some weeks more than others. And when the air fryer needs a break. When the air fryer needs a cool down, yeah, yeah. So we were out the other week and someone was walking out as we we're waiting for a reservation. I think they grabbed your arm or they turned around and come back in. They turned around and said, by the way. I love your X, Y, and Z that you post online and all this this stuff that they're following you clearly. And so it was like, oh, wow. We forget, right? You forget. And so it is interesting. Yes, there's definitely this intersection. And so 
is this good? Is this bad? Uh, man, I think that depends. Um, okay, let's look at somebody like you. Because a lot of the things, original sad king. Does that yeah. actually, we have had this where somebody on campus, Jose mm. Borge, if you're listening, Jose Borge <laughs> will scream across campus, sad king. And does that, that how does that make you feel? Because it's like, it's one thing when I'm doing this to my online friends, but now yeah. it's intersected with my real life. Have I overshared? Do you ever feel that way? Definitely. Um, well, yes and no. I think <laughs> I think I'm. I, I tend to be more of a moody person, so <laughs> depends the mood that I'm in in that moment. Because it, I might post something and be like, "I hope everyone saw this because of how I'm feeling today." So don't come up and you know mess with me today. Um, or you posted it the night before, and the next day you woke up and you feel better, and you posted something very depressing, which you know I may do sometimes. Uh -huh. And then you wonder because I forget. Wait a minute, what if the provost saw this? Right. Or, what if or my students, or my st students, right? And they see this. Is it going to change the way they see you? I tend to, you know, at least for myself, show this much more side of just being human online. Right. And some people may post more of a religious side online. I post quite the opposite. Yes. But then in the classroom, I'm like, hey, let's pray. <laughs> let's who these prayer requests. What's going on? I'm sitting with students in my office. But then online, I'm sometimes quite depressing. You feel like so, you can be more yourself, I think, for you online. Yeah. So that gets definitely the intersection. I think that can get messy. But also it can be good because people can see that you're a human being as well. You should ask your students because I wonder if they feel like, yeah, you're more approachable or mm. there's not this. Because when you take on that more pastoral role in person, do they then feel like, oh, I don't have to be a perfect, happy person in order to know God? Actually, that might be a good way to look at it. So yeah, I'm going to say definitely a blessing in that way. Now, the other thing is if you are always posting positive things, which is not me, <laughs> online, and everything is always happy, and it's 110% just positive vibes and things like that. But then if that person sees you and you're not who you portray to be online, maybe that's a little more messy, like a oh, little messy. So yeah. I just want to give people what I do. This is my own rule for myself. Walk us through it. Walk us through I it. I say, Heather, you are only allowed to post online what mm -hmm. you would feel comfortable seeing actually physically posted, like as a poster or printed sure. out in your office break room where the president sense, of my yeah. university, my students, my colleagues would see it. You will never see mm -hmm. me post something online that I wouldn't also feel comfortable posted in the office break room. And that has mm. helped me on many days, try to be more conscious of not oversharing things that, of course, mm. it feels very anonymous online, but it's not anonymous, right? So sure. we have to yeah, weigh that, that out. Sense. So what do you guys think? Oversharing online, is that a hashtag blessed or a hashtag mess? You decide. If you want to respond to our hashtag blessed segment today, if you have your thoughts on this topic, we would love to hear from you. Just type into your search bar, whether on Instagram or Twitter, type in at viral Jesus pod, and then just put a hashtag blast on the end of whatever your comment is, and we will see it. We would love to enter the chat with you. So on today's episode, I wanted to let you know I read a lot of your messages over the past several weeks. Some of you were so inspired by Nona Jones and felt 
less alone in your struggle of insecurity, in your struggle over comparison. Marlene said, Nona was so powerful. I cannot thank you enough for this episode. I bought her book, Killing Comparison, to read for the month of October. It's a theme that I keep seeing on identity and what my identity is supposed to be in Christ. And it's something I've really been wrestling with. And she ends her message by saying, let's go viral Jesus. Linda simply said, Nona Jones was amazing. And Linda, I agree. Others of you loved Sharon Hottie Miller and her conversation on how we can surrender our need to be in control at all times back to God, who is actually in control anyway. Hannah wrote this. She said, I just finished the episode and God reminded me that I need to stop. I need to stop making everything about me. God will handle it. And there are elements that are changing in my life and there are elements that I can't see, but that's also what makes life beautiful. My releasing control to God is actually beautiful. And I couldn't agree with you more, Hannah. I was actually thinking after talking to Sharon that we tend to think that being under God's control is some type of punishment, but it's actually our privilege. Edward said this. He said, this episode, he's talking about the Sharon Hottie Miller episode on control. He said, this episode reminded me of a quote by A.W. Tozer to expose our hearts to truth and consistently refuse or neglect to obey the impulse it arouses is to stemmy the motions of life within us. And if persisted in to grieve the Holy Spirit into silence. He said, I remember being in a place where I was going out all the time. I was doing drugs and I'm drinking a lot. And every night I can remember before I stepped out my door, I can remember wondering if I was going to be alive the next day, if I would even have the opportunity to give my life back to God, to give God control over my life again. He said, I am the prodigal son and I just want people to know that there is hope, that God is in control of all of the prodigal sons and daughters, and that God will bring us home. Super, super beautiful. I can't tell you how many people were blown away. Can I put myself at the, the front of that line? Just totally blown away by Sheila Wise Rowe. And now people have the vocabulary needed to navigate the difference between what is a toxic relationship and what is simply me experiencing a conflict? Shana said, when explaining how to navigate our relationships, that this episode helped her remember to watch for someone's track record, not a singular incident. And this is the exact same thing I talk about in my book, I'll See You Tomorrow. I tell this story where I had a conflict with a friend. They hurt my feelings. A friend hurt my feelings and I was really upset. And I felt vindicated in the fact that this person was wrong and that I was right. And I called one of my best friends, Jewel, who I have been best friends with since I was in third grade. And Jewel, she did give me permission 
to put this friend in their place. Listen, I was ready to delve out a lesson in loyalty to this person. Jewel, who has been one of my best friends for a very long time, she said, Heather, you can call her out. You have grounds for that. She goes, or you can choose to look at the span of this 10 plus year friendship and you can make a choice today to see her through that lens, through the lens of the past 10 years and not this one singular moment. I was personally so convicted by that advice And I never did say anything to my friend, and we haven't had another incident since. And it just reminded me that we have to stop putting people into a box based on their worst moment or their worst action. We have all been the bad friend. We have all, I'll speak for myself, I have been the bad friend. I have been the jealous friend. I have been the friend that said the wrong thing. I have been the friend that forgot something that I absolutely should have remembered. And I really pray that my friends, thank goodness I have friends like Jewel, who were able to show me grace in that time. And that is why we are able to show grace to others. So I was so grateful for that conversation with Sheila Wise Rowe, where she talked about the difference between toxic relationships. And and essentially, she says, those are things that we see a pattern of toxicity. And if you keep drinking the poison, it will kill you. But there's a difference between once having poison in the water and consistently having poison in the water. Sometimes people turn the other way. They repent. They actually do the work of removing whatever was toxic to you. But we can't see that if we keep putting them in a box that we ourselves would never want to be in, the box of our worst moment. So I'm so glad that that conversation with Sheila was so healing for so many of us and understanding, oh, another thing she said that I just loved was that there's uppercase T trauma and there's lowercase T trauma and that we don't get to tell other people that it wasn't traumatizing to them. Because maybe that wouldn't have been traumatizing to you, but it was to them based on their experiences, based on their life. And so how do we listen to each other and support one another without passing so much judgment about what we would do or say or classify differently? Caitlin Beatty. That was actually the first episode of our pod class. And she reminded so many of us that celebrityism in church can lead to so many harmful abuses of power. And I did have one person write in on that episode, and I don't want to name their name, but they said that the episode with Caitlin was really healing for them because it affirmed what they were experiencing in their church was in fact wrong. They had a person, it was a pastor who just seemed like they had too much power in the church and they started criticizing them for making a choice in their life. I'm going to say a choice. I don't want to get too specific, but let's just say it's something like choosing to get a better job. You know that you can, you know that you need it. And so you're making a choice to go get a better job. And the pastor said to them, that choice was egotistical. 
by not letting the job that they had be enough for them and that, oh, you think you're too good now and, oh, you're trying to go be better than everybody else and your place is actually over here. And if you have a moment, honestly, while you're listening, if you would say a prayer for this person because they feel like now they don't want to go back to that church, it's been a really difficult experience. And there's so many experiences with that pastor. That was just one example that they gave. But man, there's so many people right now that are struggling to go back to church because they don't feel safe there. And how do we listen to them? How do we just stop our need to pass judgment? How do we stop demanding that sheep save themselves? And how do we go out and just and be the hands and feet of, of Jesus to other people? How do we do that? Because here's the thing, and I do want everybody listening right now to understand this. Yes, people can be part of what caused a severely broken experience in your life, but also people can be part of what heals those broken experiences. It's just like I would hate for somebody to let a bad experience in a relationship of friendship keep them out of friendship forever because now I can never trust anybody. I would also hate for somebody to let an abusive person to keep you from the beauty and the community of what a family of God can look like in your life because there is so much beauty there. I had several of you tell me that you went out immediately and bought Chanel Dokun's book and that it's really shifted your perspective after the conversation that you listened to me have with her. And man, I can't tell you how much I just love being able to do this podcast. And I try to be responsible. I want you to know that. I really try to be responsible with the people that I'm exposing you to. Because I know it matters. And I want to be a responsible person with what God has given me through your attention, through your ears. And so I was just really grateful at how many of you actually went out and bought Chanel's book after listening to the episode. I want to read to you what Mary said. She said this, Heather, I am only halfway through Chanel's episode and it is fire. I mean, I am in tears. Please thank Chanel for her heart. And it's interesting because Ed Gilbreth is the one that suggested having Chanel on our podcast. He's our producer for this show. And I'm just so grateful because Chanel is not somebody I have met in person. And that's the beauty, I think, of online relationships is somebody can say, Ed can say to me, hey, I want you to check out this person. I've never met her. I talked to her online. She comes on the show. We have this incredible conversation. I have her book. One of my best friends bought her book and just finished reading it, actually. And it's been super impactful. And that's the beauty of social media is it does allow us to have exposure to people that we would have never been able to meet otherwise. So I'm grateful for that. And I just want you to know that I am. I do pray through the people that we have on the show And I do want to be very responsible to you about the people that we invite, because I think that these conversations matter. And my goal is always that we see ourselves in a more healthy way. We see God in a more healthy way. We become better communicators of that God that we now see in a healthy way. That is my heart in bringing the guests that we get to have on this program. Of course, I am so humbled by how timely and needed Seth and I's conversation last week was about our book. 
I'll see you tomorrow and what it is and what it feels like to try to heal from these unmet relational expectations. And first, I just want to affirm that feeling of the pain that comes with somebody not meeting our expectations. Man, Seth talking about that pain from his dad and Seth is 35 years old and the pain from the unmet relational expectations with his father absolutely have impacted every relationship with a man that he has had ever since. I have so many women who have been in my DMs telling me how much they love my husband. And I love that. My internet cousins, I love that because I love him too. He is so humble and he is so sincere. I'm not kidding you guys. He has actually made me a better person. And I am so grateful that you were encouraged by his testimony, but also inspired to do what is possible. There is so much I know because there's so much in my life too. There is so much in your life right now that is not ideal. I know. But can you still do what is possible? Can you still just do the next possible thing? And here's the beauty of life is these decisions that you are going to make today to do what's possible today. This decision in your life spills into somebody else's. That's common humanity. That's the brotherhood and sisterhood of humanity. The choices we make change actually the way we interact with our neighbors or the way we raise our children or the friendships that we make. It all is connected. And it makes life so beautiful. I want to share with you what Ashley said after listening to last week's episode. She said, I am so grateful for the reminder that God's radical grace changes how we see ourselves and how we see others. Lindsay said, you guys are like having a perfect temperature cup of coffee with an old friend. Thanks for sharing your souls with us. Oh, Lindsay, it is our, I'm going to speak for him. I do that a lot. It is our absolute honor to share with you some of the things in my research that I've learned and some of the things in Seth's personal life that I think really just lives out what this research can look like about why relationship is so important. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today.
I want to spend some time with you today recapping what healing has looked like for me. I have prayed over this episode because I know how much our first pod class has meant to you. I've gotten your messages. I've read your letters. I am so glad that this has connected so deeply. And I also know what it feels like to have glimmers of hope in your life and then quickly it's just gone, right? Like you you leave a great sermon and you're like, I am on fire right now. And then you don't know how to get it back because as soon as you get back home, something goes wrong. Or you read a really good book and you're like, now my perspective is totally shifted. I'm a different person. And then you get triggered and you just go back to your same patterns. And I know that some of us are probably in this tension right now of feeling like we can see hope, we can see what's possible, but we don't know, we don't know how to hold on to it. So first, because you know for me, I'm a communication person. One of the biggest things I want to share with you as we even talk about healing. Well, first, let me say this. One of the biggest mistakes we make in communication, it's called bypassing. And bypassing is where we miss one another in our word meanings because we assume that the other person has the same definition for the word that we are hearing as the way we would say it. So by the way, a really good book, it's actually required reading in my classes, in my interpersonal communication classes. I usually require them to get this book. It's called Words Can Change Your Brain. It's by two neuroscientists. Let me just give you an example of of what bypassing is. Did you know that 90% of the time, this is from Words Can Change Your Brain, 90% of the time when we say the word God, we have an entirely different perception in mind of what that word means than the person that we are talking to. Even when we're from the same denomination, 90% of the time when we hear the word God, what our mind pictures and what the person that we're talking to, what their mind pictures, 90% of the time, those two things are different. This is bypassing. And this is why we need communication training because this one tweak that I'm going to give you in this episode of understanding what bypassing is could save you so much time in conflict. Because when we realize that 90% of the time when I'm arguing with my friend who isn't a Christian over who God is or what God looks like, or I'm arguing with my friend who is a Christian because we do that too, don't we? Over who God is or what God looks like. Or we say to somebody, how could you not believe in God? What is wrong with you? Oh my goodness, you're a bad person. And we don't realize that 90% of the time, we have an entirely different definition in mind than the person we are talking to. What if the God that that person rejects is a God that you yourself would also reject? Does that make sense? So here is my teacher advice. I want you to start saying, what do you mean? When you say that, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say God? What does that mean to you? When you say religion, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? When you say love, what does that mean to you? Because it is very possible that you are operating under a different definition of love or religion or God or relationship, the word relationship or marriage. 
it is very possible that you have a different perception in mind of what that word even looks like. Let me give you an example. When Seth and I were dating, he kept saying to me, I'm going to do a Seth impression, but he kept saying to me, Heather, I, I really, really, I, I care about you. And when he would say, I care about you, I took that to mean, Heather, I really like you. I'm enjoying spending time with you, but I am not in love with you. Because in my brain, if I was going to tell somebody I care about them, I am actually choosing that word carefully because I'm trying not to mislead them and tell them that I love you. But for now that I know Seth, I know that to say I love you for him is an incredibly vulnerable experience that it's just not for me. And so to protect himself, when Seth would say, Heather, I care about you, that was him literally shouting from the mountaintops, I love you. That was him just pouring his heart out to me. And I could have missed that. And in fact, I did miss it for quite some time. I have to then say, hey, what do you mean when you say I care about you? What does that look like for you? So I just want to say this. When I say the word healing to you today, I want you to know what that word means to me because I don't want us to bypass one another. So I'm going to use the dictionary here. The definition of healing is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. Should I repeat that? The definition of the word healing is the process of becoming sound or healthy again. So healing by its own definition is a process. This is not something where we say, done, check, I'm done. Six-week pod class on healing, done. One year after my divorce, done. My dad died, but I went to some therapy, done. My students will say to me all the time, why am I not over this yet? Or they'll say, why am I still so triggered? by this? Or why am I not better? Why am I still making the same mistakes? And friend, the reason is because the very definition of healing is that it's a process. Our job is simply to commit to the process, not to be perfect at the process, not to put rubber bows around ourselves so we can post a photo to Instagram and say, check, I've healed. Check, I'm good. Check, I'm worthy. Check, I'm perfect. I'm a Christian. See me at church. It's not going to happen like that. The process of being a human being is probably a process of committing to healing our own hearts. We are going to circle the block on this one. But thank goodness, thank goodness, we serve a God who will make all things new. You serve a God, if you commit to this process, who will make all things new. Scripture says he will take your heart of stone 
and give you a heart of flesh. And this process, this healing process, it's not going to have a clear beginning, middle, end. It doesn't work like that. It's not linear. You will have days where you think you are five steps ahead and then you fall three steps back and that's okay. There is nothing wrong with you. This is the process. This is what you signed up for. Healing is messy. Healing is a journey. And my prayer is that viral Jesus will be invited to come alongside you as your traveling companion. I'm in the middle of my own healing process. I'm in the middle of my book launch. And I am so glad, honestly, that we talked to Nona Jones before I had my book come out because this process for me, I'm going to be vulnerable with you. It brings out all of my deepest insecurities. I told you I was expelled from my Christian school at 13. And so I just think in a lot of ways, I am still a 13-year-old girl who is just hoping that the church or the organization or the institution will tell me that I'm good enough. And all the demons that I thought I had vanquished come right out again when I have to see myself on a list, right? Or people have to tell me whether I'm failing or winning or being successful when it comes to my own ministry, when it comes to our book. I will have days when I read someone's letter or comment and I'm just over the moon and I feel like I am so in my purpose or this feels so impactful. And then I will see, I'm being honest with you, I'll see someone else's life online who looks more meaningful or more purposeful. And suddenly I'm, I'm that 13-year-old girl again, just wanting someone to, to validate me. And I can't tell you how many times in the past week I have thought, wow, Heather, like you're still this insecure? Really? You are still this easily shaken? And I've had to offer myself compassion and say, healing is a process and that is okay. And I'm not going to heal perfectly. I can only commit to the messy process of surrendering to the work that God is trying to keep doing in me, the work of sanctification. I wish, man, I wish it was easier. And I am sure you wish whatever is making you feel insecure right now, I'm sure you wish it was easier. But as Sharon already told us, we can't control this. We can't even control our own feelings. We just have to commit to the process. Something I have been saying to myself over and over is, Heather, your faith is not in your feelings. It is in your feet. I can't stop myself from feeling anxious or nervous or even insecure. I can't stop the highs from being high and the lows from being low because I'm a human being. My feelings are based on my circumstances. And for most of us, our circumstances are out of our control. So I have to say, Heather, your faith is not in your feelings. It is in your feet. It is in the prayer walk you choose to take right now. It is in the way you choose to bend your knees 
before the Lord. It is in committing to doing life one exhausting, harrowing, difficult step at a time and realizing that you are still you. No matter the outcome of this project or your job or the relationship, I just want to say this to you. You will still be you. Part of healing for me has been reminding myself that I am still me. With or without success, with or without a house, with or without a physical diagnosis that you may be wrestling through, with or without the answered prayer or the miracle, no matter what happens, you will still be you. The greatest miracle God has ever done in my life is the miracle of transforming my own heart. My greatest testimony of God's faithfulness isn't an answered prayer. It's not an outward miracle. It's not the changing of my circumstances. The biggest miracle God does in my life is is the work that God does in me. It's the delicate and gentle way that God continues to transform my own character, even without any answers. God's faithfulness has been in the continued work of restoring me back to God and to myself. That's the miracle. It defies my human nature. It defies answers. It's the miracle of a relationship with God. And it has not been me, but God, who has been most faithful to that relationship. So I just want to encourage you to hang on. And I want to comfort you by admitting that I myself, I've let go. I've messed up. I've been swallowed by anger. I've been bitter or scared or confused. And I have bartered and bargained with God so many times in my own life. And yet, here's the thing about God. The Spirit of God still dwells near me, still calls me back to God and myself. My own transformed heart is God's greatest work in my life. And I want you to know that about yourself, your own commitment to this process with God is God's greatest work that he will ever do, is the work he does in you. So train your feet. Train your feet to do the next right thing. Train your feet to do the next possible thing, even if it's not ideal. To take the next step. Train your feet to be in obedience to the Lord's voice, even if you don't feel like it in your heart. Train your feet to comfort the nearest person to you, even if you haven't been comforted yet, because your faith, friend, is not in your feelings. It is in your feet. A couple takeaways from today's episode one. What does healing even mean? Healing is a process. It is not linear. 
It is okay to feel like I was really good yesterday and something happened and now what's going on, I feel down again today. That's normal. Number two, I want you to know that you won't always feel it. And it doesn't mean that anything's wrong. It means that you are a human being. At some point, we have to know who God is. Number three, faith is not in your feelings, it's in your feet. What is the next possible thing? Can you get on your knees? Can you go on a prayer walk? Can you read a scripture? What is the next possible thing that you can do to act out on faith, whatever your faith level is at that moment? Put it in your feet and let's go. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Next week, we are going to introduce our next pod class. I think you are going to love the conversations I have lined up. It is going to be a three-week series, and it's going to start next week. I'll do kind of like an introductory episode first, but then we're going to have three conversations with some amazing people where we're going to learn how we can gain in confidence. Hopefully, we've done a little bit of healing, even though we recognize it's a process. But now what? How do I gain in the confidence based on what I just learned six weeks ago? That's what we're going to dive into for the next three weeks. As always, if you want to send me your thoughts or your struggles about something with confidence, about insecurity, that's what we're going to spend the next three weeks doing. Send me an email. Hello to Heather. Hello, T-O Heather at gmail.com. And remember that my emails are not private, but Vimbo will make sure to get your message to me. And I absolutely love your reflections on each episode. I love having your input as I prepare what to talk about next. So friend, I'll see you next week for another conversation where we learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.